What's going on, guys? This is Psych Athletes back with podcast number eight. Um, this is a super special one. We have uh, Drexel Smith here. He's a coach out of Laverne, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, he's out of Laverne. So specifically, he's a baseball coach, and he actually runs a really cool camp called Hawk Baseball, um, where he helps young athletes pursue their dreams of becoming baseball players. Um, not only that, but he also teaches them a lot of under uh, a lot of other uh, fundamentals like financial stability, um, which a lot of young people are lacking nowadays. And um, yeah, so I just want you to kind of speak on what Hawk Baseball means to you and um, what baseball means to you and uh, how that got started. Well, if, if we're going to talk about baseball, how I got into baseball, first I should mention that my mom put me in the soccer when I was four. And I walked off the – I literally walked off and I said, Mom, I don't like soccer. And I started walking to the car. Uh, <laughs> I left in the middle of the game. My mom was, uh, she said, okay, let's put you in baseball. And ever since then, I love baseball. I had the opportunity and been blessed with the opportunity to play baseball growing up. And then when I was 12, 13 years old, I really got the attention of colleges. I knew that uh, baseball would be my way of getting into college because I knew financially my, and my family couldn't really afford it um, to be able to financially do that on our own. So then I put that pressure on myself. 12 to 13, I started to really get the attention, which was great. And then my when I turned 14, I actually got hit by a car and broke my left femur completely in half. And on my way home for a championship game, like, kid you not, I love baseball so much that I even told my mom when I got out of the ambulance, literally out of the ambulance, and my mom's standing there waiting for me at the hospital, and I said, Mom, uh, can you tell coach that I won't be at the game? <laughs> like my mom was completely flabbergasted and was like, you really just care about the game? Like you want coach to know that you won't be at the game? And I said, yeah, please let him know I won't be at the game. And so then uh had the surgery. And during my recovery, though, I, ha I went through a trial and error. I was really frustrated. I was angry. I was upset because I was like, why, why did I – break my leg like and so for me I knew that God does things for us not to us and so for me I realized that financially and emotionally my family couldn't really afford to get me into sports but I was very fortunate to even be able to play so I still got to play and so then I started to think about what about the kids that don't get to play and so ever since I was 14 I started to really look into what is a nonprofit. how can I help other kids get into sports I started raising money I started to give stuff away I started asking people to donate equipment and stuff to give away. And over time, about uh, two years ago, I officially uh, started Hawk, which stands for Hard Athletic Working Kids, which is dedicated to providing a platform for families to build independent living skills and with the process of helping kids become successful and long-term longevity, both on and off the baseball field. That's awesome, man. Dude, that's sweet. Um, we were talking earlier, and you were kind of talking, and you even mentioned, like, getting hit by a car. That's crazy. Even earlier when we were speaking, you kind of mentioned how um, you were so grateful for playing the game um, as a kid, like, struggling with a lot of the things that you were going through. Can you kind of just, like, pick that up for the people that weren't able to uh, hear our conversation before of the things that kind of you went through in your life and uh, the reason why, you know, baseball is so um, just such an important thing in your life? Well, for me, growing up, I have hard of hearing. I have no peripheral vision, so that means that I can't see side to side, up, down. Like, 
right now I'm looking at the camera and I'm looking at the phone, but really around me, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, for me, I was getting picked on. I was getting bullied. I was, I was beaten several times and I was just different. And sure. Yeah. Like I claim that now, but at the time I, I was really disappointed. I was really uh, confused. And not only that, but I was uh, told by the school system that I'd be lucky to graduate from high school. But baseball gave me a place to call home. It gave me a place where it didn't matter what my disadvantages were. What really mattered was my ability to play the game, and I was great at it. And that's what uh, really allowed me to be my best self and also it allowed me to be in a different place. And my favorite story that I've ever had was the fact that I had a bully who would bully me at school, but then at the baseball games, I could strike him out and he wouldn't be able to hit off of me. So that would be like my win. Sure, you can beat me up at school because I'm not going to fight back. I, I don't believe in harming other people. And so I, I, that was my way of coping through that is I'm going to strike you out when we play our game. Like you are not going to hit off of me. And that, that was, um, that was the place. That was my zone. That was my area. That was my place that no one could take off away from me. So that's awesome to hear. Um, what I, I wanted to ask you, because you, you, you mentioned that someone in your school or I think an official or someone said you'd be lucky to graduate college. And we talk about here a lot of limiting beliefs, things that people put you in a box, right, and they don't let you grow out of it. And we also talk about motivating factors and what people use to motivate themselves to be successful in their sport. And a lot of people lack some of those things. But with you, you're unique because you have these all these disabilities, you have all these people telling you you can't do what you want to do. You can't go to college. You can't do that. But you saw baseball as a way saying, I can do that. And I think you're a pretty articulate person listening to you speak right now. You have a lot of cool insights on life and, and sports. And I just want, I, I want, um, I want to know, do you think your disabilities and whatnot, do you think that motivated you to play at the next level? Well, one of the biggest things that I would say is perspective. So for you, for some people, when they, when they hear, oh, I have a hard of hearing or I have my vision issue, they see it as, oh, he has a disability. I see it as a disadvantage. The reason I say that is because everyone in life has their own type of disadvantages. And so what is the, one of the biggest things is I said, okay, sure, I may not be able to hear well, but I can have great conversations and I really listen to people to, to a point that I can actually engage with them and have a real conversation to the point that they feel that they're heard and there are people that can hear completely fine and they can't do that then the other thing i may not be able to see very well physically but i know and have a vision to where i want to accomplish where i want to be and there are a total of 87 percent of students in college that don't know what they want to do when they graduate so i must prefer my disadvantage of, hey, I can't hear and see very well, but I know where I'm going to go. I know what I'm going to accomplish. And I, I really, truly love having deep, meaningful conversations with people. So that's meaningful and important to me. So I think that the biggest thing that has helped me become better and successful is having a better understanding of self-awareness of who I am and who I want to become. And I think that is truly where the component, I would say, led me to being able to succeed and grow up to being a well-rounded individual because I have learned to accept and also lead myself as well.
that that is such an inspirational thing we always talk about how kind of like uh, good is the enemy of the great have you ever heard that line yeah <laughs> good, good. Yeah, all right so i think um your your perspective on on disadvantages is really cool and how it stems from your own disadvantages in your own life and i love how you link it with with people that are disadvantaged in their own right whether it be regarding financial literacy st stability uh, going to school for sports. I think that's really cool that you kind of like link that together. And I wanted to ask you, so a lot of kids, right, they, they, they suffer from sports anxiety, and, but they don't have all these kind of limiting factors or physical limitations like you might have had. And these, these kids are, are some of, a lot of people are struggling to find motivation, right? So where would you say, what would you say to a kid who doesn't have all the disadvantages that you do or a lot of families do, where can he find that sort of motivation? Well, I think the first thing is, like I said before, you have to be self-aware. Like, why are you playing the game? Why are, you, why are you taking the time to play the game of baseball? Is it because you love playing the game or is it because you love the competitiveness of it? Is it because you want to get into college and you feel that that's the way – to pay for it is it because you want to play in the MLB or you I think you have to first acknowledge hey this is why I'm playing the game because a lot of the time you know it or you know what I could also say is are you just playing because your parents told you to are you just playing because your parents are forcing you to are you playing because your siblings are playing are you <laughs> there's so many things that you you can say why you're playing the game. But I think the first step to really finding the motivation has to be, you have to find your reason why. The why behind the aspect of what you're playing is going to lead you to even doing better. Because then once you do that, then you can acknowledge and you can really uh, be more at peace with what you are doing. So for example, like let's say you're simply just wanting to have fun. You don't necessarily want to go play in the college or go pro. Maybe it's just to have fun. Then simply don't worry about being the most uh, best player on the field. Don't worry about competing with others. And so I think that aspect, then let's say where, let's say you do want to make it an MLB or you want to be a pro or go into college and you want to get to that next level, then this we have to take a step back and, and acknowledge still, why do you want to play? And then build on that. Because here's the biggest issue that I see personally among the kids that I coach and then along with myself with many other players that I've played or cash with. The first thing that I've always seen is two things. One, they're in a comparing mindset, not a self-awareness mindset. And what I mean by this is, a comparing mindset is where you are no longer sufficiently competing with yourself. You start to compete with others, and as a result, you no longer are in your own mindset. You are now in the other person's perspective and mindset, which means that you may not have the same gifts. You may not have the same activities or skills or maybe even, you know, connections as the other person. So now you're no longer in this zone of, hey, how can I get better? How can I get to the next level? And then to go from there. Then 
once you figure that out, then you have to acknowledge the last thing, which is, hey, do I really want to play? Yeah, we've had, and we've had this conversation a lot. I don't know if you've listened to our past podcast about like individualism. Um, And I really think that stems from how a young player is coached from a young age too. Because I know a lot of coaches coach their team kind of as a whole and then almost kind of pit players against themselves, um, either through ways of, like, favoritism or giving players unequal playing time, especially at such a young age, too. Um, so, like, I assume that your coaching strategy would be to go out and, and coach, coach each player on a more personal level, you know? Yeah, I would literally spend the first 10 minutes just getting to know the – and that's actually what I do on my one-on-one. I don't, we don't even throw a ball yet. First 10 minutes, we're talking. I want to get to know you. I want to actually be able to learn from you and get to know who you are as a person because most coaches have led, left the area of understanding who their players are and what their player are. And they begin to start doing what I call um, coaching players, not coaching young men. And they are more focused about the game of baseball rather than focused on the player who then transfers into the game. And so for me, that's why I, our program for Hawk, our Hawk baseball program is dedicated to educating them financial literacy, social skills, leadership skills, self-awareness, habit development. Because we, be, I, I personally believe them as an individual first, then player. And so when you do that, you now are developing young men to be self-aware of who they are and then build onto the field of who they are as a player. That essentially what you just said encapsulates our entire philosophy, right? We kind of have learned from talking to a lot of different people that we're we're definitely what you said, training towards coaching players, numbers, jerseys, stats, rather than actual people in which you are. And the thing is, like, these kids are – so impressionable at such a young age, right? Everything you say as a coach is going to impact them in the long term. So we kind of like learned essentially that that uh, a, a player that respects you, that that thinks that you look at them more as a human being rather than a player is way more inclined to listen to you. Therefore, they're going to get better based on what you say, right? Rather than a player that's 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 looking at a coach and the coach is, is he's very unpersonal, right? He's treating them like a player. He's like, go out there, blah, 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 not saying, how are you doing or anything? And that player is less inclined to listen to them. So I think that's awesome that you do that. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of ask you, like, do you, do you, is your goal for these players to get them better personally rather than you don't, you don't really preach team? Uh, I, I think there's, there's a difference in environment. So when they're when when it's one on one, I'm focused on them. I'm completely in the zone and focused on them personally. It's not about me. It's not about my program. It's about them. And so, but when we talk about hey the team, the focus is they're they're different. They're different environments. You got group setting. You got team setting. You got <laughs> hey bud. and then you got um, the aspect of what I would call, and what I call the team dynamic and environment, which is a lot of a lot of coaches will talk about that. They'll talk about the environment and how 
they specifically focus more on the environment of the team than they necessarily focus on the aspect of winning. And you'll see that a lot of the times now with successful coaches in colleges and higher levels. They focus more on the players as individuals, and they focus on the environment of the team. And as a team, all of us are working together in our own individual well-being and also helping and supporting each other, accomplishing that. So for me personally, when it comes to a team dynamic, I would, I wish I do, is I make sure that there's two things. One, everyone's got a partner. Two, that I don't have it set up to where they're standing around or sitting around. I want them to constantly be with their partner, supporting each other, playing catch, building, and just pointing things out, helping each other, leading each other, so that they can build that environment of teamwork. But at the end of the day, yes, it's going to be their individual responsibility and support as well. And so there, there are two different environments. One is where if it's one-on-one, it's definitely going to be focused just all on them. I don't care about my program. I don't care about anything but them as an individual and helping them get to their next level. And I think not enough coaches take the time to actually acknowledge, hey, why do you play baseball? You know, it's one thing for the players to know, but the coaches to know, that's going to lead you to the next level even more. Because then as a coach, you're also able to now understand, hey, this kid wants to be a pitcher in the future, but I've been playing him as an outfielder this whole time. Maybe I should, you know, consider having the pitching practice and have a couple of the kids pitch and see how that goes. Give them the opportunity. See what he, why does he want this? Because at the end of the day, you can, you and I can both agree that when a kid wants something, they do everything they can to get it. <laughs> and, like, you, you just can't, as we get older, that kind of fades away. And I think that's something that we, we have to re, you know, rewind ourselves. In our yeah, way. like re, reevaluate and stuff. Yeah, and just go it's, back to, like, hey, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's so important, like, the big why and whatnot. Like figuring out why you're actually doing it. One thing you mentioned too that I loved when when you're talking about developing like men is like you're talking about building their social skills up. You're talking about like helping them out in that area of life too. Which I mean, one of the biggest things that I think contributes to being able to perform at your like max potential even is self-esteem and confidence, right? And if you're able to portray yourself um, like socially to other people, if, and you're able to have a good um, life even outside of sports in general. I think that has a massive, massive, um, you know, correlation towards how you actually play the game. Yeah. And you'll notice, too, that if you have a bad day in your game, you don't necessarily have a bad day in life. But if you have a horrible day in life, you have a bad day in the game. And so that's the other aspect of it, too, because the, the, when you have that time in public with people with everything you're going to notice that huge difference is that when you have a bad game you're like you know what is i can't do anything about it focus on the next game (laughs) and life is a little different you can't just be like oh yeah oh no i'm still in this situation (laughs) and you can't just forget about it Mm -hmm. You you, you have to totally hit head on to whatever the issue is and i think that that will transfer on the field too because if you think about it if they have an issue or something's going on on the field, they're going to remember, oh, yeah, I got to hit it 
head on and take care of it right now. Yeah, what you said about um, kind of knowing your worth outside of the game. You can't, you can't necessarily, if you let your game carry out into your life, then you're going to perform worse in the long run. And I definitely experienced that as a player. Because when I wasn't playing good, I, and I think a lot of athletes feel like this, I felt like I was worthless. And that's really dangerous for a lot of athletes. And it's important to kind of emphasize, and, 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 it, and it comes from treating them as, as individuals and people rather than players. Because if you talk to them as a player, then whatever they did in a game, is not going to translate into real life, you know, and it's going to do better a lot. It's going to do a lot better for their mental health in the long run. And I wanted to ask you, um, you had a lot of disadvantages, a lot of disabilities, and a lot of kids go through things mentally. Um, I'm not saying it's at the same scale of yours, but you are obviously much more disadvantaged than a lot of athletes. And I wanted to know how, how did that affect your, your mentality, your confidence in the game is that something that carried over and, and you use it as a chip on your shoulder or is it something that maybe weighed you down before i answer that question which is a great question by the way um i do want to acknowledge what you st stated a second ago which was you know the, the effect of you as a person on the field and then off the field and i want to acknowledge one thing you're not just a baseball player if you're listening to this please recognize and know you're not just a baseball player. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. It's what you do. And that's going to be the same thing as you do when you go to work or when you go into your career or your field or maybe you make it to the MLB and after that, you take the time to acknowledge it's not you as an individual. It's what you do. And I think you have to make sure you separate the two because if you don't, it's going to really affect you. And so um, to answer your question, though, which was, you know, do I think that it was a ship on my shoulder or did it weigh me down? See, for me, I would say that it was a little bit of a ship on my shoulder, but at the same time, I didn't necessarily carry it. I didn't carry all the bowling and everything to an extent that it weighed me down personally at all. I I kind of just like let it be. I knew that, you know, they obviously are going through something, then I don't, I don't know what it is. And I think it, it's very rare. I didn't realize it na until I'm older that I was already self-aware when I was younger. I didn't know like what I was doing. I just knew like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't like him. He doesn't like me. Fine. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do anything about it, but. As far as, like, did it transfer onto the baseball field? Yeah, like I said in the beginning, you know, he bullied me at school, but I can strike you out in the game. Like, <laughs> you know, I that I did have that tenth of a chip on my shoulder. And so I think that I would say, yes, I did have a chip on my shoulder as far as, you know, getting getting on the field. I wanted to, I wanted to strike the living crud out of you. I just wanted to strike you out. <laughs> I saw a lot of, if we look at like a lot of great athletes too, not even just baseball in every single sport, a lot of them have a chip on their shoulder or that be like a physical disadvantage or something mental, something that's super personal in their family life. A lot of people, it's, it's, it's how you harness that, right? It's if you can take that, if you let it weigh you down or you, or you let it feel you in your games. And in your case, you let it feel you said you can strike this kid out easily, you know? So yeah. I think a lot, what's super important for kids who are listening to is you kind of, you, 
it's hard. It's, I mean, it's easy to say you want to turn a negative situation into a positive one. Positive Super one. easy to, oh really, easy to, really easy to say, yeah, right? <laughs> but like yeah, once you get on the field, you know, a lot of those things from outside of your life, family problems, physical disadvantage, bullying can start infiltrating your mind. And that's why I think it's so important at such a young age that these kids, it's not just the coach focusing on solely on winning, but focusing on building up that mental strength. So when they are older, like you said, when you're more self-aware of that, because for me too, when I was older, I was never really self-aware of my disabilities when I was a super young kid. I have a brain disease, going to that in another podcast, but okay. I was never really super aware of that when I was a kid. But when I got older, all that negative energy started entering my mind. And if I didn't have like a strong base, a strong um, either family or good coaches, um, unfortunately, a lot of people can't overcome it in later in life. So that's yeah. I, that's why I like commend you over what you're doing. Because <laughs> like, Thank you. It's everything. And if we're talking more about the mindset, uh, I would love to mention that when it comes to building confidence and building, uh, you know, the ability to get better, take yourself away from the end result. Just take yourself away from the end result. And what I mean by that is, like, let's say you're working, so I'm baseball, so I'm playing it in baseball term. Uh, If you are wanting to hit better, you want to hit more nine drive, hit home runs, let's say. Instead of focusing on, I didn't hit a home run, you should be focusing on one particular part of your hitting and your swing. And if you successfully did that, then you should be satisfied and happy with that result because it doesn't matter if you hit it home run or not. It matters that you got better. And so I think you have to really subtract yourself from the end results and start focusing more on what did I improve on today? What did I get better on today? And then even during your practices, don't get frustrated and upset if you're messing up. That's the whole point of practice. Mess up to do things right. Don't do the best that you can so that you don't mess up in front of your coach. I, I encourage my players to make mistakes. Make mistakes. I'd rather have you make mistakes doing things right than for you to do th- get the end result that we want doing things wrong. I I love that. It's uh, I'm sorry about that. It's basically it's like the saying intent plus freedom of outcome. You're like you have an intention on doing something. You have an intention on hitting a home run or like throwing touchdowns or whatever. But you have a freedom of outcome. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You're not placing that pressure on you, and because you're not placing that pressure on you you're more likely to fulfill that goal that you have for yourself. But even what you were saying earlier when it comes to, like, especially the kids that are listening to this right now, if you have a bully right now, if you're going through stuff, like, because a lot of us, you know, most people struggle with, I mean, in my own perception, like, I struggled with bullying a lot when I was younger. Um, And sports, I think it can be an onset of that, too. It's kind of like a male, uh, guy-on-guy type, like, beating each other up type of thing. But... Um, some people aren't able to be as mature as it seems like you were. Like, that's crazy that you're able to have that perception when you're so young of kind of understanding. Like, I want to make it very clear to kids watching this right now. If you're being bullied right now, the reason it's not anything to do with you, okay, it's not anything to do with you at all. It is the reflection of what somebody else feels about themselves at that age. And they might be going through something like that with a parent. Um, you know, having that same berating type of style that they're giving to you right now. Um, but what have you kind of seen when it comes to, when it comes to like some of the mental struggles that your kids that you coach go through 
that are kind of holding them back from reaching that um, full potential in, in baseball? It's kind of the question that I wanted to ask. It's a great question. I actually have a, a blog that I did on the four levels of athlete. And so the four levels of athlete demonstrates the things that factor in. And there's really five components. It's how much work are you putting in? What do you say to yourself daily? How consistently are you wanting to be competing to be better you? And then the fourth thing is when you are, do you have the intent, I should say, because I like that word, by the way. I'm going to steal it from you. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing, it, it was the aspect of do you really show up? And so one of the things that I realize when I'm coaching my kids is that are they showing up or are they there? And the difference between are you there or are you showing up is that when you are there, it's because your parents drop you off and you're here. Woohoo! And you're kind of like going through the motions and you're like, hey, I'm here. Um, when, when are we done? <laughs> like that's level one. You're there because your parents force you to. Or maybe you're there just to have fun. So you you don't necessarily listen to the coach, but you want to throw the ball around and you want to swing the bat. And so that's that's level one. That's like basic. You you don't show up to all the practices, but you when you do show up, you're there to have fun or your parents force you to. The level two is more like, okay, you show up to practice. You do what coach says. You also are being coachable. And then the last thing is that you're, you're, you're wanting to learn and grow. Then the third level is, okay, now you're starting to not only do those things, but you're also starting to practice on your own at home. Then level four is like, okay, now you're starting to show up to practice and you're starting to do things at home. So not only are you just going to practice, but now you're going to practice with the intent to learn and grow and get better. And then you take that at home to apply and do more of. Then level five is where you actually bring the intent not only during your practices, but you bring your intent during your games and when you're at home. And so that's the difference of the levels that I have written on my blog about. And that's the thing that I see the most. I see the most is they're kids that just show up to have fun. They're kids that show up because they want to learn. Then they're kids that are there with the intent to get better. And then they're kids that are there that have the intent to not only get better, not to only practice at home, but they want to compete and win. And so winning may not be the most important part of the game as far as, um, but I would say wanting to win is, in, in a sense, answering the question from earlier, if you already, you don't have any disadvantages, you don't have anything going on, and you really don't necessarily have uh, any type of chip on your shoulder, that wanting to win would be your ship on the shoulder. It would be your ship on the shoulder of wanting to get better, getting to being able to do that. Um, I like what you said about wanting to win versus basically focusing on the end result. And I like how you differentiate that. And I think with a lot of coaches, that definitely gets blurred, right? Wanting to win that competitive edge, it's a really good trait to have for a kid for a player because it makes them better inherently being competitive makes you it brings out the best in you but the thing is that a lot of times gets blurred because these coaches they think that that wanting to win um 
that means that they have to win now and that it's a failure if they don't. And at youth sports, that's not a good thing because they can't start learning that that winning is bad and and make and missing up at such low age at young ages means failure because what you said earlier you you encourage your kids to fail and I think that's awesome. Well, yeah, that's why that's why I also think there's like such a fine line to draw too, especially with young athletes too. Um, like if it, if it, if an athlete, did you get off it? Oh, you're still here. Um, at such a young age too, there's such a there's such a, a little line that you have to draw, right? It's like. Yeah, you can go there and have fun when you're 10 years old, but when you're 18, there's a really fine line where you have to draw where it's like, okay, winning is important, but also at the same time, like my, my fundamentals and like all my mechanical stuff is also important. And I think a lot for, especially for older, older athletes who are in the late stages of like either junior year college, um, early freshman in college, it's super important for them if they, if they already have that base of, okay, what do I want out of this game? Where am I going, and and how am I completing yeah, exactly. those every single day? You know. Yeah, yeah, and and that's Especially why self awareness, self awareness of being able to know why you're playing the game and what you want to do with the game. Yeah, that's kind of like that's why getting into that. I wanted to ask you a question, like, because you're in a, a men's league, right? Yeah, currently I'm I'm playing in a what they call a bush league. Yeah. <laughs> It's not necessarily a, a league that connects to the minor leagues or anything like that, but it is definitely with some high-level playing individuals that want to compete. Uh, there is – there's a – I call it the Bush League because the Bush League is more competitive versus the men's league is more like drinking beer and having fun and they yeah, do it's all that. softball so pitch, right? Yeah, that's a whole different like, <laughs> category. And then there's yeah. also uh, wood – wood um, – wood uh, – Fat and wood league as well, so that there is that as well for uh, fast pitch. So there, there's a couple of different ways of going about it. What were you gonna ask though? What, what did you want to know? I wanted to, I wanted to know why. Um, what drives you? Because how old are you, Drexel? I'm 25 now. Okay, you're 25. You're out of college. Are you aspiring to be a major league pitcher? Is that what is what driving you, or is it because you just love the game, or is it both? It's a, it's both. But, um, if you, if we're talking more specifically, like what got me dr driven to start doing it or to be doing it right now, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was very fortunate to be invited to an FCA, uh, camp event that was in UCLA with hundreds of kids. And I got the opportunity to speak to them. And one of the things that I said to them was there are three things that are important to your success on the field and off the field. One is that you have to be self-aware. Two, you have to put in the work. And three, never give up. But the problem was when I looked at myself, I said, I never gave up on baseball. But I haven't done anything. So then I realized that, oh, wait, I got to change that. I got to change it to pursuit. I got to change it from instead of saying never give up, you got to be on the pursuit. And so I changed that to you got to be on a pursuit. And then not only that, but now I'm on the pursuit because I never gave up and I never wanted to. And so as a result, in a way I kind of did. So then I had, I was like, I like, I love baseball. <laughs> like it's not hard for me to go out to the field and practice. Like it's something that I love to do. I know for some kids and some people it's like, I don't really want to go, but you know, it's going to, I have to get better for me. It's like, 
I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go practice and I'm going to get better. And so, yes, in a way that's kind of different perspective than most other people and kids. But I mean, I, I'm different. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm just going to accept it and move forward from there. I love that. Um, I want to go back because you said, um, one of my, we had a guest on the podcast, um, a week ago, I think, and he, he kind of preached that you kind of have to embody your message. And we kind of came to the conclusion that if a coach embodies his message, if he lives that message, then that player is going to believe that message too. And I think that's really powerful. What you did about a year ago is you, you looked at yourself and you, and you told yourself, Hey, like if I'm telling these kids to not give up and I shouldn't either. And I think that takes a lot of courage to do. And a lot of coaches don't do that. They don't believe their message. They don't live it. And I think that's why you connect with athletes so well is because you believe your message. And that means essentially that they're more inclined to believe your message too. They're not going to give up. They see you. You're 25. You're still chasing your dream. You're working your ass off every day. You're making them better. And you have a nonprofit. And they're like, damn. I want to be that. I want to live that. And I think that's so powerful and so good for kids. And I think that's something a lot of coaches can learn from. And I hope that coaches are listening to this and, and, and they kind of understand that, the fact that they can make their players better by truly embodying what they believe, right? And there's a lot of coaches that will go around and say, do this, do that. Um, you got to do this. You got to do that. And they're like, okay, where's, where are you coming from now? You're not working as hard as me, Right. You're working, I know you're working just as hard, if not harder than those kids. And those kids, just like you said earlier, they want it. They want to play. They're competitive. They want to reach their goals. And I think that's super, I I think that's incredible, man. Mind you, I was 243 pounds. I was overweight. I, when I went to throw the baseball at the field, I only threw like, I think it was like 62 miles per hour. I was like, that is really slow. (laughs) That's <laughs> really slow. What? Wait, how am I going to start this? So then, I, you know, and that's when I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? What am I, what do I need to do? And so the first thing I did was I, I knew that I needed to lose weight. I can't, I can't pitch efficiently if I'm not efficient myself. So I started to get into my fitness. I start, I lost 58 pounds. I will, I'm 196 and now I'm back up to 205. And so I'm starting to get back into getting stronger. And, and so that aspect, so in a year, I went from 64.5 average to now 86.2 average. And I can top out at 89.99. I got to hit that 90, man. I peeked at your your YouTube channel and you had like a road to 90 or whatever, what it was. Oh, man, I can't believe it. I was like, come on, dude. I was literally like, and I, I only, so I normally just throw 10. But I was, I was so close that I literally threw 10 more. And I was like, oh, come on, let's go. And so just mentality of not giving up, just, you know, keep on trying until I hit it. And then I was like, okay, I, I can't, I get, I can't continue because I don't want to, you know, harm my arm yeah, or my body. Yeah. I got I got to give myself some recovery time. But man, was it a mental. Ugh. <laughs> well, man, we are running out of time here. I just wanted to say thank you so much. Your message is is super unique, and that's really what we saw when we went on your Instagram page. We're like, holy crap! Like, 
first thing we said was like, how old is this dude? <laughs> this dude's like, it looks like he's in a men league. Like this dude's kind of still running. Um, and that's what we saw with you. And we're super stoked that you could get on here with us and talk about all the mental hurdles that young athletes have to go over and kind of hear your super unique perspective of what you had to go through and how you can now use your perspective to help the athletes that you coach now. So uh, all this is like athletes. Um, we just wanted to give you a huge thank you. If you want to plug yourself or anything, um, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. <laughs> well, if you wanted to uh, check out my website, it's at hawk.ngo. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, hawkbaseball.org. And then if my Instagram account is drexel.smith, which is D-R-E-X-E-L dot smith. And then you can find me there. Everything else is linked on there. And if you just search my name up, you're going to see everything pretty much. I have my yeah. podcast. We'll and, go ahead and uh, link them down below. But, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Drexel. Um, we really hope to have you on again. Um, and uh, we'll definitely be keeping up with your, with your story and, and how you're doing. I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for taking the time. And, and I'm blessed and thankful to be on the podcast with you guys. You guys have a good one.